0: A'udhu billahi minash shaitani rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin wa sallallahu tabaarak wa ta'ala wa sallama ala sayyidina muhammadin sayyidina wa sanadina wa habibina wa shafii'ina wa mawlana sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhurriyatihi wa ahli baitihi wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddin wa ba'd alhamdulillah we reached this mubarak 6th night of ramadan uh, this is with this taraweeh, mashallah, one-fifth of the nights of Ramadan have passed. Uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are a certain number of people that He will free them from the hellfire. And uh, that's every night. Meaning it's not just a Laylatul Qadr, that's every night. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the utaqah of this night. Uh, we continue with uh, this Eighth facile of uh, Hayatul Muslim, a uh, book that uh, Hayatul Muslimin, afwan, that uh, Hazrat Maulana Ashraf Ali Ta'anwi Rahimahullah Ta'ala compiled uh, in the genre of islah or uh, rectification um, literature that a person should uh, take what's broken or spoiled from their heart and make it right again. And in particular... Uh, The effort of the Mashaikh, of the Tariq, in order to bring the reality of the Sunnah into people's hearts and bring its uh, practice uh, onto the limbs outwardly uh, and bring its life and its light into the heart inwardly. And how that was a great preoccupation uh, uh, of the Mashaikh. Uh, and so in that effort, he uh, compiled uh, this eighth chapter of his book. So we continue reading it, translated by Sheikh Tamim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reward him and give him long life for his portion in this effort. And for his feeling the pain uh, that the uh, mashaykh felt uh, for the ummah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that they should not be left deprived of this barakah and this blessing, rather that it should enter into every home and into every family and into every individual and into every heart. Allah Ta'ala gives tawfiq. Ameen. <coughs> Hakim al-Ummah, ta'ala, said, The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu wa sallam had in consideration all of what benefits us and harms us. In light of this, he instructed and guided us to a comprehensive way of life and practice wherein there's no sign of difficulty or hardship. Thus, if a Muslim adheres to the Sharia closely in accordance to the way demonstrated by the Messenger of Allah wasallam), he will be at complete ease physically and spiritually. Of course, uh, what does it mean that there's no hardship? It means that there's no hardship that will break a person uh, in the sense that it's no hardship to go exercise. It's a hardship to get a heart attack or to die of chronic diabetes. It's no hardship to have a wonderful and successful marriage it's uh uh, no hardship to do things for your spouse for your husband or for your wife in order to show respect for one another and love for one another it's no hardship to sacrifice little things in order to keep each other happy it's a hardship to have a horrible divorce in which your family is ripped apart you lose your children and uh, you suffer acrimony for uh, months and years um, and perhaps for the rest of your life this is what it's meant what's meant it doesn't mean that there's no rigor obviously part of life is that uh, you have to have rigor that water when it flows uh, it's going to make some sound uh, when a river flows it will eventually have to go around a rock or it will go down a waterfall there's a little bit of turbulence involved in all of it but even that turbulence itself is a mercy why because running water always stays clean whereas when water stays uh, stagnant in one place it becomes putrid uh, and it becomes uh, stagnant and it becomes brackish and it uh, you know, eventually will become poisonous, it may become uh, uh, anoxic, and it may also uh, just evaporate and go away altogether. Uh, and that's what's meant by uh, there's no hardship, because all matters will be judged according to the way that they end. So the thing that ends in success is itself throughout its entire process, success. Uh, and the thing that ends in failure um, is through its entire process failure, even though the process may look like its success in the latter uh, uh, example, and it may look like failure in the former. Uh, but the Rasul from one of the many wonderful things that we take gra- for granted is that he taught us a process uh, of evaluation by which we judge things by their outcomes. Hazrat Hakim al-Ummah, Hazrat Tanwi ta'ala said, one time in Makkah Mukarramah, a person affiliated with the Ahlul Hadith took bay'ah with Haji Sahab. So first of all, we have to say who is the Ahlul Hadith, and, who, and the second is that we have to explain who Haji Sahab is. Um, the Ahlul Hadith were a movement of people in the Indian subcontinent. Uh, after the kind of revolutionary uh, uh, proliferation of the study of Hadith in the Indian subcontinent sparked by uh, Shah Waliullah, rahimahullah, ta'ala, al who uh, spent a great amount of time in Hijaz and brought back the asanid of the of the uh, great books of Hadith to uh, uh, to India uh, and proliferated them in his father's madrasa, the Madrasa Rahimiyah in in Delhi, um, um, and then his son carried his work after him. His grandsons carried his work uh, after them. and indeed Deoband and Saharanpur and the great seats of uh, hadith uh, study in the subcontinent that that came through them. um, They are connected to Shaulillah in Isnad. Um, With that, uh, the proliferation of the knowledge of hadith had a number of very deep impacts on our society um, in the Indian subcontinent. And one of them was that uh, a gr- group of people basically left the uh, uh, taqlid of the madhahib arba'a, the four madhhabs, and they said that we're just going to take our fix straight from the hadith. We're not going to follow any of the imams, uh, and they became basically radical non-conformists. Uh, now, in some sense, there were always people who were non-conformists to any sort of usuli school, um, and this is essentially not a hundred percent. What happened, But this is somewhat similar to what happened with Imam al-Shafi'i and possibly Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal. Although the Aslaf, everything that the people later on did, the Aslaf did better. Uh, so the Shafi'i Madhab is essentially what this Ahlul Hadith strain of thought um, looks like. But when it's, uh, uh, when it's done in a very well thought out, in a very well... Uh, ordered way. Uh, well, uh, you know, these uh, these people said, well, we have the hadith in front of us right now, and uh, we're people and they're people, so uh, we, we don't see why we should have to have any intermediary or, uh, tradition or persons between us and between the understanding of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. So this Ahlul Hadith movement is a native movement of the Indian subcontinent. Uh, and it wasn't sparked by the the, the um, you know movement of Wahhabism or Ibn Taymiyyah uh, before them, uh, in in the in the west, in in the lands of uh, uh, of the Arabian Peninsula, uh, in the former and Sham, in the latter, uh, rather, it is a native movement of the Indian subcontinent It has particular peculiarities about it that that are different than Wahhabism and that are different than um, that are different than uh, um, uh, Taimian Thaym- uh, thought. Uh, uh, in the western lands uh, from the Indian subcontinent. Uh, But there are a lot of things that they also have in common as well. Uh, A lot of similarities. So at any rate, those people are still there uh, to this day. One of the peculiarities about their movement, interestingly enough, is that uh, unlike uh, the Wahhabis who seem to have had a a really wholesale aversion to the traditional modes of tasawwuf, including the institution of tariqah, our uh, Ahlul Hadith people in the Indian subcontinent, they actually, they had tariqahs that were intact and they had the whole system of uh, of, of having uh, irshad and that a person takes bay'ah with uh, with a sheikh and that sheikh instructs them in the spiritual path, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that's not uncommon. Uh, that wasn't uncommon. And interestingly, I think with the kind of commingling of influences, um, later on, the Ahlul Hadith, many of them in the Indian subcontinent will kind of take on a, uh, not all of them, but many of them will take on kind of a, a, a flavor of Wahhabism from. Um, the Arabian uh, Peninsula, and you'll see people in general kind of drift away from this. But the old Ahlul Hadith uh, people who had really uh, no con- contact or very little contact with the Wahhabis, um, and you know, in a scholarly se- in, a, in a sense of scholarship, really uh, surpassed them um, uh, in their analysis and understanding of Hadith uh, to the point where, mashallah, the name of them you know, for example, the siddiq Hassan Khan and Mubarak Puri's and things like that. Their Asanids, you know, they they they're exchanged in the Arabian Peninsula to this day. Uh, I think that uh, uh, you know, from that old time, there were still people who were um, who were uh, people of tariqah and tasawuf, uh, even though they didn't. They said we don't follow madhabs and fiqh. Uh, and so who, that's the first question: is that who's the ahlul hadith? The second question is who is Haji Sab? Uh, Haji Sab is Haji Imdadullah al-muhajir al-makki rahimahullah ta'ala he's also from Tanabawan uh, which is the, uh, uh, the 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 kind of ancestral land of uh, Maulana Ashraf Ali tanwi ta'ala uh, he is faruqi in his Nesab, he is a descendant of Sayyidina umar al-faruq ta'ala anhu and he is one of the great mashaykh in this the silsila of uh, the, our tariqa chishtiya and uh, haji saib is uh, there's one of our um, Previous years, uh, late night uh, uh, late night majlis uh, kind of talks about his life. Um, but uh, he, uh, amongst a number of other things, he was the sheikh of the Mashaykh of Deoband, Mulana Qasim Nanotwi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, Mulana Rashid Ahmad Gangohi, Rahimullah Ta'ala, were his uh, disciples, some of his foremost disciples. And... Um, Hazrat Tanwi Rahimullah Taala was a disciple of Maulana Rashid Ahmad Gangohi but he was senior amongst the disciples so he actually met his Sheikh Shaykh, Sheikh and his Sheikh Shaykh Sheikh gave him direct uh, hilafa in ijazah even though uh, Hazrat Tanwi was connected with Maulana Rashid Ahmad Gangohi and received his tarbiyah from him uh, mostly but uh, he met his Sheikh Shaykh Sheikh and his Sheikh Shaykh Sheikh gave him invested him with the uh, mantle of discipleship uh, as well and so uh, he's somewhat uh, considered preeminent amongst the uh, uh, Khulafah of Hazrat uh, uh, Gangohi, um, because he had direct he had direct khilafa from his sheikh from uh, Haji Sabr wa wa Ta'ala. I mean, he was a muhajir and he was Makki because he was exiled from the Indian subcontinent. Basically, had to flee for his for his life for his uh, opposition to the British rule and his active participation in um, uh, uh, in armed resistance against them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, filled their graves with light. They were uh, the Ahlullah, they're the people of Allah. And uh, their hearts were filled with, with the dhikr of Allah ta'ala and the nur that comes with that. Uh, but also they were not sellouts, nor were they people who licked the boot of tyrants. Uh, rather, uh, they were people who put their money where their mouth was. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them a high maqam. So Haji, Haji Sab is buried in the Jannatul ma'la um, uh, in the jiwaar of uh, Umm al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Khadija anha, and a number of other great companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in the graveyard of Makkah Mukarramah. Allah ta'ala raised all of their maqam. amin. Hakim al-Ummah ta'ala said, One time in Makkah Mukarramah, a person affiliated with the Ahlul Hadith took bay'ah with haji sa'ab. Soon thereafter, Haji Sab noticed that he was not uh, performing al Yadain in his Salah, and so he inquired why. What is Raf'ul Yadain? Obviously, everybody, al Yadain means to raise the two hands. Uh, obviously, everybody from the Ahlul Sunnah, illa masha'Allah, uh, uh, raises their two hands in the initial part of the prayer. When they say Allahu Akbar, they raise their two hands. Thereafter, it's one of the peculiar and unique masail of the, uh, the Ahlul Hadith, Um, uh, whether you mean it in the Shafi'i Hanbali sense or in the uh, later sense that we just described, uh, that unlike the Madhahib of the Fuqaha, uh, Malik and uh, Abu Hanifa, um, that the Ahlul Hadith will raise their hands several times in the prayer rather than just once in the beginning. Uh, And so Haji Sab noticed that this Ahlul Hadith, disciple of his, took the tariq from him and then he uh, he stopped raising his hands and he started praying. Essentially, he started praying in a form that looked like the form of the Hanafis in his prayer. Uh, Haji Sahib noticed that he was not doing Rafa yadain and so he inquired why. The person replied, I have now taken bay'ah with you, my Hazrat, my Sheikh. Hence, I left it. To this, Hazrat became infuriated. The Sheikh became infuriated and said, Alas, if taking bay'ah with me has caused you to abandon what you consider to be a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, then I do not see any reason for you to be connected with me and I absolve myself of you and this action. Uh, now, this is important to understand that uh, Haji Saab, ta'ala was a Hanafi and uh, although he wasn't uh, considered to be a Mufti or um, uh, didn't have the, uh, the, the Isnad of uh, you know, having graduated from madrasa, uh, uh, So in in a customary sense, he wasn't an Alim and however, he did read through the Kafiyah of Ibn Hajib and he, he, and he, he was a man of great ulum. But he wasn't formally considered to be a scholar by, uh, you know, by profession, by caste or profession. And so, uh, that being said, he was a Hanafi, and uh, he did respect the madhhabs, and uh, he did respect Abu Hanifa, his position not only as a great spiritual master of uh, Islam, but also as a great faqih and legal uh, authority in Islam. But what he was saying to his disciple, because the disciple was instructed, uh, to, uh, was entrusted to him for um, spiritual instruction, not for the instruction in fiqh, that for the disciple to abandon uh, uh, what he considers to be a sunnah for something that he considers not to be a sunnah, but to be essentially the practice of his sheikh. He says that this is completely poison in your suluk, in your uh, traveling your uh traveling your your uh, trip to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala your sojourn and your journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is really deep because sectarianism uh, if it were really something that uh you know the, the traditional scholars held on to, sectarianism would demand that he use his influence as his sheikh to say, yeah, this whole Ahlul Hadith thing is bogus and like, you know, you should become a Hanafi. Um and he didn't do that. And Any sort of political understanding, you know, like it would tell you just like uh, Ibn Khaldun will tell you that for any political group to be cohesive and to have strength, there needs to be asabiyyah, there needs to be some sort of group solidarity. And praying differently definitely dilutes the group solidarity. If you don't believe me, ask half the uncles in Lombard when I re- lead the prayer and I don't say the istiftah at the beginning of the salat and I only make one salam. They get really upset and angry until their favorite Molana Saab tells them, listen, chill out. You just, this, this is also a Molana. He's one of us, so you need to just chill out and be patient. And still half of them uh, are, are upset and annoyed with it. But the issue is this is that these guys weren't running a shop they're not trying to run for president they're not trying to win a popularity contest they're not trying to be homecoming queen or king or whatever they're not trying to do any of that what are they trying to do they're themselves trying to traverse the path to allah ta'ala and they're trying to traverse uh, help the 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 salak the the aspirant and the 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 traveler path, travel that path to allah ta'ala as well and even though all of them had opinions with regards to fiqh, they recognized that those opinions were differences of opinions; uh, that they were subject to difference of opinion. And at any rate, the usul always wins out over the furuah. The principles always win out over the particulars. So even if they disagreed on a particular, they you know a particular legal issue, they recognized that if a person goes against the principle of following the Rasul sallallahu wasallam in their life, that this is going to completely uh, uh, poison the water of their, uh, of their suluk, of their uh, uh, you know Traveling to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala And is not useful So he said to him He says look If you left it for me You thought it was a sunnah And you left it for me He says I have nothing to do With you anymore Because you're not going to Get anywhere If you're willing to Abandon the sunnah of The Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa In order to make Your shaykh happy uh, However uh, uh, You know If you uh, You know If you Abandon it Because you are somehow Now uh, you know Convinced that Abu Hanifa Knew better Or that uh, You know That this is not really The sunnah Then that's fine And this is the, a similar uh, you know, uh, similar story is narrated also from Hazrat uh, Sheikh Zakaria uh, Except for he would add the caveat because he was a professional faqih he would add the caveat that I consider not doing roughly a day to be closer to the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, But I would tell them if you're not convinced, then keep doing what you need to do um, in the fiqh, uh, 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 but never, never compromise as a principle, never compromise on the Sunnah of the Prophet Hazrat Tanwi Hakim Al-Ummah said, It is commonly thought that the Sufis in general and the Chishtis in particular are innovators and that their practices oppose the Sunnah and the Sharia. Uh, I believe it is necessary that a treatise be written in response to this misunderstanding wherein the statements and actions of these people, meaning the Sufis, are referenced. Proving how adherent and how devoted they were, in fact, to the Sunnah, it occurred to me that the title of this book should be As Sunnah Jaliyah fi Fil al Aliyah, the lofty Sunnah in the practice of the noble Chishtis. Uh, and so, this book is a, a, a separate book that uh, Hazrat Tanwi put together, As Sunnah Jaliyah fi. Uh, The lofty uh, uh, sunnah uh, uh, in the practice of the noble Chishtis. Hazrat Tanvi continues, In my opinion, no one has written a proper defense to this allegation, um, to the allegations that are hurled against these illustrious souls. The reality of the matter is that some of their words and actions may seem at least outwardly ambiguous, which is a cause of confusion. But this occurs due to being overwhelmed by spiritual states of ecstasy. They were the ashabul hal. They were the people who were dominated by the states of spiritual ecstasy and whatever they said in those conditions they're excused from. And part of being, you know, saying they're excused from, it doesn't mean that uh, what's wrong becomes right. Part of saying they're excused means that they're overwhelmed. And part of saying they're excused is that those things that they're being excused from, we don't take that that as our deen. If someone in an overwhelming spiritual state or an overwhelming emotional state or overwhelming anything state says something, um, that's not... You know, taken to be representative of what they're what they're trying to say. Compiler's note: uh, uh, Sheikh Tamim says our beloved Sheikh Al arif Billah, Maulana Hakim Akhtar, rahimahullah Ta'ala, said about the Ashabul Hal, uh, the people uh, upon whom uh, uh, heavy, and intense spiritual states pass. These people, in their swoons of ecstasy, ecstasy, are not muhtava. They're not. They're not imitated when they're in those states. Meaning that you just excuse them for being overwhelmed for those moments. Uh, and But part of excusing them means you don't imitate what they do at that time. Rather, you say that this person is doing this out of uh, lack of volition and this is not the deen that we take from them. And Mulana Jalaluddin Rumi said, Ta Shavi, yare ban ay it says, seek a companion who is dominant so that you may remain dominant. Do not be the companion of those who are dominated, O reckless one. Meaning what? When you look for a sheikh, because the thing is the realities of deen are heavy. People think that this is all pie in the sky in July or some sort of folk tales or whatever. You know, Be serious about your deen one day be uh, uh, punctual in your salat and careful about what you eat and drink and careful about what you look at and you listen to and serious about about training your nafs and serious about helping others and putting others above yourself you'll see things and states open up over your heart that you didn't know even existed and You know, not everybody can control them the same way. One of the beautiful things about the Prophet ﷺ and his companions is how much control they had. And it's a sign of their perfect suluq. Otherwise, there are people who came later in this ummah that were uh, so overwhelmed by the nur that came over them by following the sunnah. They couldn't keep it together. You know, a very famous person like that is... Uh, 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 Mansur al Hallaj, uh, bin Hussein al Hallaj, uh, who basically he you know he would read several hundred rak'ahs every day, and he just devoted himself to very rigorous worship and to very rigorous practice of the tariq, and he couldn't keep it together, and he eventually lost his mind. Uh, and uh, uh, you know it's you can read more about it if you want to. He was uh, he was a very uh, controversial figure because. Uh, because people recognized his piety and recognized his devotion to islam uh, but then when he lost it at the end uh, he said things that uh, you know that, that confused people and that people really didn't take as um, as good things to say and uh, the mashaikh said that, that when he said these things he was overwhelmed he was like he basically lost it he was seeing things other people weren't seeing he was hearing things other people were, weren't hearing he was feeling things that other people weren't feeling just like a person who for example, has some sort of, uh, uh, you know, overwhelming state where they, you know, um, have some neurological issue that they're seeing things or hearing things or smelling things that other people don't hear, see, smell, etc. Um, you know, we just excuse those people and say that this person now is excused. Uh, but at at any rate, uh, no matter how awe inspiring it is that a person must have been uh, opened up to the spiritual world to the point where they were overwhelmed. Um, we don't take such people as our guides so mulana rumi himself he says what he says seek a companion here uh the word for that mulana tamim translates as companion yar the person that, that you love and the person who you trust uh with your deen he said seek such a yar uh, who is ghalib who is strong enough inside that they can uh, keep it together when those states come over them uh uh uh, uh he says seek a seek seek a sheikh who's, uh, who is Ghalib, who can keep it together so that he can also teach you the ways of keeping it together. Um, and uh, don't be the companion of those people who, when these states come over them, it breaks them into pieces. They're not able to control themselves uh, uh, because that's just, uh, that's just recklessness. ya, uh, rawi meaning what? That's a way of going astray. Mulana is reminding us, Sheikh Tamim says. Mulana Rumi meaning Mulana is reminding us that if we want to become successful on the path of Suluk, we must remain in the company of a Sheikh Kamil, a perfect perfected Sheikh. Perfected, not in the sense that he's um masum or or infallible, you know, divinely protected from mistake, but perfect that that he's he's uh, um, has the strengths and the competencies in all of those boxes that are needed in order to uh in order to competently guide other people uh, along this path. One, uh, Sheikh uh, Kamil is who? The one who at all times remains submitted to the orders of the Qur'an and Sunnah and never allows himself to stray from that course. The nafs must always be subjugated to the intellect and the intellect must work within the framework and according to the di- dictates of the rulings of the Sharia. There is no room on this path for those who become dominated by emotional outbursts uh, and display public swoons of ecstasy. Uh, Some of those are fake, just people are trying to like get cred and uh, make themselves look all cool and spiritually so that everybody's like, oh my God, you know, like if I rub this guy like seven times, you know, I'm going to get good luck and win the lottery or something weird like that, which is unfortunately also a type of fraud that happens and also a type of uh, you know, a disposition of, uh, of easy, uh, easy victimhood uh, in a lot of people. Uh, some of them want to use you and some of them want to be used by you. Some of them want to abuse you and some of them want to be abused. Uh, all of these types work and they seem to attract one another. So He says, don't, don't look for the person who has these emotional outbursts and like public swoons of ecstasy. Uh, most of them are just frauds. Uh, especially in this day and age, they're mostly just frauds. But even if they're not, every now and then there's a legitimate majzoub. The person is completely absorbed in some spiritual state and it kind of numbs their uh, intellect uh, to the world outside, that they start behaving in ways that are erratic and not um, not really uh, within the boundaries of the sharia proper. Um, if the person, even if they are a legitimate majzub. Uh, um, you still don't want to learn from them. They may be a, a wali of Allah who love Allah so, so much that they really, you know, can't control themselves or whatever. That does happen, uh, but in any case, whether or not they're faking, it's between them and Allah. And uh, you don't, you don't take such people as an example of how to behave. Um, and it's not going to really help you in your your journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, to see someone else fall off the horse and then try to fall off the horse. Um, they fell off because something came and overwhelmed overwhelmed them. If you just fall off without being overwhelmed, then you're, uh, you know, that's just not, that should be clear to people why that's not beneficial or helpful or uh, not something that, a, a you know, that, that the deen teaches a person to do. Uh, he uh, who constantly allows himself to fall under the influence of these ecstatic, st- ecstatic states and comes out of control is not worthy of emulation. How can he teach others to control himself when he himself has not attained that control? So even though we respect and honor people uh, upon whom powerful states of spirituality descend, we do not consider their states of ec- ecstasy to be worthy of emulation. Hakim al-Ummah ta'ala continues to say, In response to my book, someone objected, commenting that I'm a blind apologist for the Sufis. If I'm an apologist on behalf of the Sufis, it is not without valid reason or simply because I have nothing better to do. I responded to this antagonist by saying, if you will hurl at me the accusation of being a blind apologist on behalf of the Sufis, I can just as easily retort that you're being a blind antagonist, Uh, which is very true. There's a lot of trolls and haters out there. Is that I can just as easily retort that you are being a blind antagonist. Rather, the reality of the matter is that I have made much effort to reform many of the incorrect misconceptions and misguided practices that have crept into the Sufis. For example, people generally give the Sheikh a, a status higher than that of the father or a teacher, whereas, in my opinion, the highest status is of the father followed by the teacher, then the Sheikh. Uh, which is something, uh, it was an opinion of Hazrat Gangohi. If somebody taught you the ulum, then your ustad in the ulum actually has a higher uh, uh, right over you than your uh, sheikh does. That doesn't mean that your ustad in the ulum, uh, you know, will teach you suluk if that's not what they're trying to teach you. Uh, that you take your suluk from your sheikh and you take your ilm from your teacher uh, but uh, in terms of comparative status, who has more right over you in the deen? Um, your ustad in the deen, the one who taught you fiqh and the one who taught you aqidah and the one who taught you hadith and the one who uh, uh, taught you uh, the Quran has more right over you just as a, a, a as a human being in the hierarchical structure of human relations, has more right over you than, than your sheikh and tariqah does and it should be clear why because he's the one who Allah Ta gave you the knowledge of wahi through Uh, and then uh, higher than uh, higher than either of them is your own father again that doesn't mean that you follow your father's fatwa and fiqh over your teachers or it doesn't mean that you follow your father's advice and suluk over your sheikh or that your uh, teacher's advice and suluk over that of your sheikh everyone we take what from them what they have to give, but in terms of honor and respect, you owe more respect to your teacher than you do to your shaykh, and uh, this is what we heard from our mashaykh and our elders, and Allah Ta'ala blessed us that uh, in most cases our uh, mashaykh and the tariqah were also our teachers in ilm. yutihi Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give great khair to the mashaykh and to our teachers and to our fathers in this world and the hereafter. Amin. Uh, he, says, he says, for example, people generally give the sheikh a higher status than that of the father and teacher, uh, whereas in my opinion, the highest status of the father followed by the teacher than of the sheikh. Similarly, I have made other criticisms of incorrect practices of the Sufis. So how can someone say so blatantly that I'm a blind apologist for everything the Sufis do? Uh, so this is the end of the 8th facile. Uh, and in order to work the cliffhanger uh, better than I did last time, uh, the next uh, uh, part of this book is uh, a, a translation uh, uh, from uh, Sheikh Tamim of Hazrat Tanwi's uh, 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 Sunnah Jaliyah, uh, Fil Chishtiyat Al Aliyah, the lofty Sunnah in the practice of the noble Chishtis. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala accept, inshallah, we'll uh, start with that tomorrow, uh, and Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala accept. Allah Taala reward Hazrat uh, Tanvi. Allah Taala reward the Mashaykh and the tariq going up to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allah Taala reward Sheikh for uh, Sheikh Tamim for translating this book. Allah Taala reward all of our teachers and all of those who are working tirelessly and effortlessly and some with great opposition and uh, without very uh, you know, very much in the way of help and means in order to preserve this sunnah and, and preserve this ilm and to preserve this deen and serve it, uh, and serve its ulum and serve its people. Allah Ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Rasulhi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa